So for most of my life, most of my time as a like just human being, I've had a very bad balance with like work and rest and entertainment. And this at least as far back as I can remember where I can really, I don't know, like can think I could have done it differently is in high school. I really hated doing homework. I'm sure that's not like a new idea for most of us. Um, and I just would kind of watch TV every evening at home and then just kind of chip away on the homework, you know, just sort of sit there on the couch and just do a math problem here or there or whatever it was, but not really get that much done. And then the next morning, I would cram like crazy, get all the homework done, do it during other classes, especially during a yearbook, which meant I didn't get any of my yearbook stuff done. And it would be like, okay, I'm in first period. I got the third period stuff. I'm going to do that now. And then throughout the day, I've seen a lot of nods. This is a, we all have the same idea, right? Isn't it great? Okay, some people are like, that would kill me. That would make, I would have a heart attack. Uh, but it worked. I got quite okay grades. I don't know if it was like, just, I don't know. It wasn't good enough for me. So I did that all through high school. But when you get to the end of the week, all of the stress, all the cramming, all the squeezing the homework in at weird times, I was just exhausted. You know, weekend comes. Last thing I want to do is get ahead on the homework for next week, right? So goof off with my friends, watch movies, watch TV, whatever. We did go to church on Sundays, as we always did, but no homework was had if I could help it. No homework was done if I could help it. Monday comes around, same thing, baby. We're doing the cramming it in to the <laughs> do the class periods thing and not getting it done at home. So I did that, and then when I got to college. I was like, this system worked so well, okay? It was obviously got me where I am today, so I'm gonna keep doing it. So I would not work on stuff. There's so many more fun things to do and no one watching what you're doing. So you can get to even have even more fun. We'd watch movies, play video games. Uh, my roommate Austin Gage and I would get cereal at the Kerr cafeteria any hour of the night, any hour of the day, whatever. Um, and it was just a big party. Um, and no, occasionally you'd realize, oh, I gotta do the stuff though. I gotta do the, the homework stuff. And so about a day or two before, a test, or before a research paper was due, I did film, so it ended up being a lot of like projects and papers later in college. Then it's time to buckle down, and uh, I would cancel everything else that I was doing, um, say about all my friends, go crazy, work like a dog on the paper or the study for the test or whatever, get it all studied for, do pretty good. Worked perfectly, got a good grade. And then after that, I was just so exhausted from all that cramming, you know? All of that, like doing all-nighters, all that kind of stuff. And so, last thing I want to do is get ahead on the next paper. Last thing I want to do is go ahead and study for the next test. So, um, it worked great. Did it. Graduated. Woohoo. Then, I started working for the first job I got out of college. Um, some of you guys are like taking notes about what to do or what not to do. I hope, hope it's what not to do. Um, I got my first job out of college, and it was a little different story because I was overall a pretty good employee because I liked what I was doing. That helps a lot. But I would get in creative ruts and like have a hard time knowing what to do and just kind of wandering and, but then deadlines would start approaching. And then I do the, you know, work late at the office and stay there late or come back to Denton and then just work late here um, at home and then go crazy, make the deadline, pull it off. And then I would be like, I'm exhausted, creatively spent, no energy left to get ahead on the next project, creative rut starts again. Or I'd go on these trips these are, as a humanitarian ministry. So I'd go on these trips. I love doing that. If, you're a little, if there's a little bit of workaholism in you, then you like moments like this where you get to prep for something, pour yourself into it. I'd go on a trip for two weeks, get to live, breathe, work only. And it's like, if you're a little bit of workaholic, it's like a drug. It's a drug to you, you know? 
you're like, I only have to worry about work for two weeks. All my other responsibilities at like home and stuff like that are, are back at home. And so I'd go crazy and work on these trips and then come back totally spent, no uh, understanding of how to like really rest and recuperate. And also I would not be very present to like friends and family and stuff like that because I was totally spent. And just be kind of a bad, lackluster employee probably for the next like week or two because uh, I just would, would uh, go crazy and not know how to recover. But the good news is, when I started working for the church, all of that, all my problems, all my flaws, they just went away. <laughs> just like magic, like a different person. None of the bad habits I'd had that built up for decades or whatever stuck with me, and I just became instantly like Jesus. So here's how you, I'm just kidding. Um, that's not what happened at all. Obviously, this is the same way I am now. And so I start working for the church. Again, love what I do. Uh, have weeks where I work like crazy and love it. Also add in the kid factor. So there's days where I'm watching the kids. That's exhausting, but fun. And then I get totally worn out. Sometimes it's because things didn't go great. There's not, not every day is a great day. It's exhausting. There's times that are tough conversations. Some, most, all of you mad at me about something. So that happens too. Um, so I get totally worn out, emptied out. And then um, here's been my, my way of of recovering from this. And this is probably something I've done every month for the past year and a half. Uh, usually on a night that I have the kids, I get the kids to bed, I door dash some Popeyes, the Popeyes chicken, spicy chicken sandwich. <laughs> it does something to me in here. Um, and, and then I watch a, sh- a movie I've been meaning to watch, or like a couple episodes of a show I've been trying to catch up on or whatever, and stay up late doing that, and uh, go to, get to bed late. And then the next morning, I'm, all, I'm like, oh, that was great, but it, I don't feel any better or different. But I've done it like clockwork. Um, the other thing that happens to me when I get exhausted, we probably all have our things like this, is my flaws get worse. Probably across the board, I bet people around me notice certain ones, but the ones I notice are the ones that are the most negative to myself, meaning my self-criticalness gets way worse. I think, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I'm a bad friend, I'm a bad minister, I'm a bad father, I'm a bad husband, uh, whatever you want to say. Um, I'm running out of ideas, do I know what to do next, blah, 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 etc. And I just get really hard on myself. So it's kind of no wonder that I'd rather turn my brain off, check into the last episodes of Succession or whatever, and fill my body with Popeyes. And um, it's just like, it's like clockwork. It's no surprise that I want to turn my brain off. But it's funny because I think if you looked at my transactions, you'd be like, okay, normal, 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 normal. Uh Uh-oh, Popeyes. I don't know if he's doing so good this week. Um, So I want you to think for a second. What is it, what about you? What is your tendency? What are your rhythms like? Um, Do you have a workaholic kind of muscle? Uh, Is that your tendency? Are you an entertainmaholic? Do you want to rest, only rest, never do anything else? Um, do you have a cycle and a rhythm to this, or is it a chaotic mess like me? Um, do you have a, uh, or do you like go from one extreme to the other? What is it like for you? Are you like, oh, I've had a hard day, video games time. Hard day, scroll on my phone until I fall asleep. Um, what are the things that you do? And do you feel ever, this is the analogy I could think of, but just this feeling of like, hamster wheel, going, 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 going. Either you're going, going, going with work, or entertainment, or social life, whatever it is, but there's, it's always something that's going. You're always going. There's always something that's making you move, and do you rarely ever feel rested? How often do you really feel rested in like the true 
sense of the word? Are you happy with your balance of work, rest, and entertainment? Do you feel good? Do you feel like it's working for you? Do you feel like my system's perfect? Do you have the delusion like I had, which was in high school, this worked great, college worked great, work worked great, and just kept continuing the same uh, poor habits? Or have you really um, felt this feeling like, you know, I don't know if this is supposed to be like this, and I don't know if I'm supposed to feel this way, and could I keep this up indefinitely forever until I die? Um, so that's, that's kind of what I want to talk about today. Have you ever just wanted that rest, wanted that space? Maybe you're in the moment right now realizing, oh, maybe, I, maybe it's not working. Maybe my typical rhythms of work and rest and entertainment aren't working, and you're realizing that in the moment, that's totally okay. Um, I'll just ignore your facial expression of like shock and horror um, while I'm preaching. But I, I, I just want to talk about that, that idea because I think we all crave rest, right? I think most of us put it off. Um, we think that's something we do later when I'm rich, you know, which most of us won't get rich, sorry. Um, or we think of that as like a retirement kind of thing, quote unquote retirement, as if that's going to be this, this picture perfect thing where we put in decades of work like crazy and then get to rest for a decade or two or something like that. But I have good, for, good news for you. So if you are feeling this desire, this, this interest in rest, but you um, I'm a word you won't, or at least a third of you won't want to hear it because this is like not uh, like a quick, easy uh, solution, but it's the word Sabbath. The word Sabbath. That's what we're going to be talking about today and all summer. We're going to lock the doors so no one runs out. I'm just kidding. Um, but I think for some of you, you probably had a knee-jerk reaction to the word Sabbath. You might be in one camp, which is one, that you have an immediate negative feeling. It feels like this oppressive like, structure put around you that you have to do. Maybe it feels like, maybe you've had some experience with this as a kid. Maybe they didn't call it Sabbath, but you had some day like this that your parents or your family did. Or you're probably in, I think most of us are in this camp, we're at completely no registry uh, on our radar, does the word Sabbath have. We don't have any um, thoughts about it, we have, but we do have just disregard for it. So it's sort of a neutral, but disregard. But some of us have a deeply negative feeling about this. So what I want to say first is just let's try to clean the slate for a second, just for today. Clean the slate of your understanding of the word Sabbath. The word itself is, in Hebrew, is Shabbat, which kind of has a simple meaning. You know, no word in Hebrew really is only simple because they use it in a lot of different ways, and we can deduce a lot of meaning from it. But in terms of just basic definition, it means to cease. It also has the meaning to rest, to cease and to rest. So try to just wipe, wipe your slate clean and just start there. Um, we are doing this apprenticeship to Jesus theme for the last while. Following the way of Jesus uh, means that we need to also try to follow Jesus' life. So that's what we're trying to do. Um, and this idea is really based on, on the idea of formation, just that we are being formed into someone at all times. Whatever we are reading or doing, the people we are around, the things we're thinking, um, it's forming us into someone. We're being formed into something. In five years, 10 years, 25 years, whatever, will we be more like Jesus? Will we be the same as we are now? Will we be less like Jesus? Um, what, what's our future look like? And trying to think about that um, now so that it doesn't surprise us later. The three goals of apprenticeship are, does anybody know them? Three goals of apprenticeship. Leslie can't answer. Sorry. I saw her mouth just move a little bit, and I was like, nope, sorry, it's cheating. What do you say? Nice. Be with Jesus. Perfect. Be. Y'all tied. 
be with Jesus. Become like Jesus. Nice. Yes. Be with Jesus. Become like Jesus. Do what Jesus did. Be with Jesus. Become like Jesus. Do what Jesus did. You guys can thank your friends later for answering that correctly. Um, that is what we're trying to simplify down this idea of how to become like Jesus and how to model our lives like him is to spend time with him, to try to become like him, internally transformed like him, and then to live our lives out as he would if he were here right now. So um, one of the, the ways I want to start with Sabbath instead of starting maybe earlier on in the Bible is just how did Jesus talk about Sabbath? How did he approach Sabbath? So one thing, uh, we know that he was a Jewish man. Hopefully it's not a surprise to you um, that Jesus was a Jewish man who was raised in a Jewish home, and he practiced Sabbath. Their culture practiced this on a weekly basis. It was a very normal part of their rhythm and routines. So we know that to be the case already, but here's a couple of scriptures I want to point out to you. One of them isn't really about Sabbath, but it's Jesus talking about rest, and it could not be one of more of my favorite uh, passages. In Matthew 11, Jesus gives this really sweet and tender invitation to us. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I'm lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Doesn't that sound nice? An invitation to rest and just come to Jesus. Uh, more specifically, we get this, this really interesting story where Jesus talks about the Sabbath. This actually happens in all the Gospels, and there's this specific story that's in all of them. It's a little bit different. But in Mark chapter 2, um, it goes like this. On the Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to make their way, picking some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you never read what David and those who were with him did when he was in need and hungry? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priests. And he also gave some to his companions. And then he told them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So then the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. Here's my point, because the only thing I want you to really, like if you are going to write one thing, this is it. God made Sabbath for us. God made Sabbath for us. What do you typically call it when you make something for someone else? A gift. A gift. Well, that was great. Look at that. Um, I, was, I was worried that I was going to have to rely on him to say the right answer because I'd already told her. Um, uh, a gift. When someone makes something for you, it's a gift. Um, I don't think it's a stretch to think that that's what we, how we should view Sabbath. We'll talk more about that later. So where did Jesus get these ideas about Sabbath? Um, well, he's God, so he made it, so that's a little bit of cheating, but also from the Old Testament. The Old Testament is the Bible that Jesus had studied, um, learned from, meditated on, and um, so he has this understanding of Sabbath also um, that those around him had too. So let's review a handful of these scriptures about Sabbath in the Old Testament that may be ones that Jesus himself is thinking about and drawing on um, as someone who studied the scriptures deeply. So this is not exhaustive. We're not going to do a, a, like a deep dive here. There's a lot of questions that can come up. 
um, in these passages that we'll talk about in other sermons as well. We're just going to kind of do a flyover, a few key mentions of Sabbath in the Old Testament. So the first one, the most obvious one, Genesis 1, chap- uh, chapter 1, verse 26, into the beginning of chapter 2. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They'll rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, livestock, the whole earth, the creatures that are crawling on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. God also said, Look, I've given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth, and every tree whose fruit contains seed. This will be food for you. For all the wildlife of the earth, for every bird of the sky, every creature crawling on the earth, everything having breath of life in it, I've given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good indeed. Evening came, and then morning the sixth day. So the heavens and the earth and everything in it were complete. On the seventh day, God had completed his work that he'd done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he'd done. God blessed the Sabbath, the seventh day, and declared it holy, for on it he rested from all of his work of creation. So this is early on in the story of Scripture, and we see that, that God builds this into the very structure, the very fabric of creation. He blesses the day right here and there. There's not commands and laws yet, but God sets this day aside and says, um, I'm declaring it holy because I'm resting from all of my creation. So um, this is built in early on. Imagine if, if something other in the laws of nature tried to, tried to break. For instance, say like the earth didn't want to have winter anymore, and so it just decided not to totally spin all the way around um, over the course of the year, or all the way around the sun, I mean. Or that the earth was like, you know what, nighttime, boring. I love daytime. Let's just try to always have daytime. It would not work. We know this, um, as even as rudimentary scientists, we know that there would be serious consequences to something like that trying to happen. Um, and I would argue that in a very different way that not keeping Sabbath, not having this kind of rest is similar. Of course, we can resist it and the earth doesn't like fly off into space. But I wouldn't be so bold as to say there aren't consequences on our very souls and lives um, to, not, to not try to, to live in a way that God created the world. Um, so that's just a thought there. But one question I think that immediately comes up, for me at least, is God rested. Did God need to rest? It doesn't say that. It says he rested. Did he get tired? It makes you think of those kind of questions that you know, middle schoolers would ask. Is like, could God create a rock that's so heavy that he can't even lift it? You know, like <laughs> these kinds of questions like that. For some reason, Sean and our small group likes to say those all the time. And he's not here, so I'll make fun of him. Yeah, it is one of those. It's like, gotcha. I bet you didn't think about this. God can make a rock that's heavy. Gotcha. Um, Anyway, so y'all can make fun of Sean later as well. Um, but so I don't think it's that God needed to rest, but it says he rested. So what is he really doing here? And each day of creation, he says it's good. And in this, in this specific day, the last one, uh, the sixth day, he said is indeed very good. So what's he doing here other than maybe just stopping, reflecting, enjoying, and observing the creation that he has made? Um, stopping, reflecting, and enjoying the good creation he's made. And, I, and something else um, popped into my mind as I was looking at this. So from the perspective of the humans that are made there on the sixth day, what is the first day that they, full day that they really experience? 
Then the people I wanted to say it, like, Sabbath. I mean, at least based on the way the story goes, <laughs> Maddie's like, yeah. Yeah, so at least from the perspective of the humans, the first full day they experience is the Sabbath, the seventh day. God gives them a bunch of things. He says, hey, this is the, this is the creation. I want you to, to work this. I'm putting you in charge of stuff. But day number one is rest. Um, I think that's kind of interesting. We'll talk more about that later, but that's just an interesting aspect of this story that I noticed as I was thinking about it. So we see this in creation, that God um, rests on the seventh day, declares it holy then. The next real notable time we know of Sabbath being talked about, that most of us probably are thinking about, is in the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. You are to labor six days and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or female servant, livestock, or the resident alien who is within your city gates. For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, everything in them in six days. Then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. So here, in this situation, we're actually being commanded to do this. The people of God are being commanded to keep this day holy. It's the first time that, that verbiage is actually said here. But um, what I think is kind of interesting here is that in a general sense, the Ten Commandments, for the most part, I think many of us view them as generally wise guidelines still. Whenever you look at the law in the Old Testament, many of us make different decisions about what we think still applies to us today. For instance, there's tons of detailed laws about sacrifice and cleanliness and washing and which foods and all that kind of stuff. You know, we know that stuff is there. And the Ten Commandments, we, for the most part, regard them as pretty good. We like the not murdering kind of deal. We mostly don't like being lied to. You know, we think stealing and, and coveting other stuff, we know that's kind of not good. But the Sabbath is kind of the only one that I can think of and those that we not only disregard pretty frequently, but also we almost, in our culture now, brag about this idea of not resting. It's almost a thing that we think means something like important or good or like it, it earns us something like, yeah, she's got tons of work to do and yep, no rest for me. Um, and that's kind of interesting. And not only do we ignore it, but we actually have kind of gone the opposite direction. So why do we brag about breaking that one? And remember, it's a gift. So it's commanded here, but remember, it's a gift. Keep that in your minds. There's another time not too long after where in Deuteronomy, this, this command is said again, but it's slightly different. And this is really important. So, so as, you're, as I'm reading this, think about the differences that you hear. Be careful to remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. You're to labor six days and do all your work. The seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Do not do any work, you, your son, your daughter, your male or female slave, your ox or donkey, any of your livestock, or the resident alien who lives within your city gates, so that your male and female slaves may rest as you do. Remember, you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. That's why the Lord your God has commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Did you see what was different? Yes, no? What did you say? Yes, but also this important section, remember you were a slave in the land of Egypt. They don't mention that in Exodus, which is kind of funny. It was right after. You remember you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. That's why the Lord your God has commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So this is, in this case, we get this slightly different angle on this. It's a reminder of God's power, his character, his saving ability, his care for his people, the lengths he's willing to go to in order to do that, and a reminder of where they came from, what he brought them out of, the situation they were in before. But 
Not something they did to earn it. There's no mention here of you guys did what I said and so I did that. God's character is the, is the getting the spotlight here. He's the one who saved the Israelites. So then we get these reminders of, one, God created this good creation. Everything we experience is a part of God's good creation that he made here that we're enjoying daily. So the first reminder is that that's part of why Sabbath exists, because God created all of this. And then in this situation, we get a reminder of what God has done in the lives of the Israelites. We could take it a different way and just what he's done in our lives. That's a reminder of God's power, character, saving them, and that they didn't do something to work or earn that. I got one more scripture for you, and then I'm not going to throw more at you, so I'm sorry. Um, this was one I think that most of us will be surprised to hear. Maybe you've read it, but didn't quite really think about it and didn't notice it. Um, but this is another way that we get a different sort of angle uh, looking at Sabbath in Isaiah. There's this passage um, in chapter 58. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, you honor it by not going your own way, not doing as you please or speaking idle words. You'll find your joy in the Lord. I'll cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to the feast on the, unspo- on the, on the inheritance of your father Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Think about some of the words that jumped out to you that are different there about Sabbath. Words like delight, honor, joy, feast, inheritance. Kind of different, kind of not the things that I think most of us would think about. So from these passages alone, we're getting multiple sort of facets of this word, what this means, what God's trying to intend for this. There's a God creation. He created this whole world. Let's, let's observe it and call it good, very good indeed. Let's also think about what God has done in our lives, what he's brought us out of. Let's delight in joy and feast. Um, it's a kind of different thing than I think that at least most of us, at least what I grew up thinking of, the Sabbath as. So let me remind you of the point, God made Sabbath for us. God made Sabbath for us. So I want to propose a new definition to you based on some of these things, that the Sabbath is a 24-hour time period set aside to stop, rest, delight, and worship. The Sabbath is a 24-hour time period to set aside to stop, rest, delight, and worship. Doesn't that sound a lot nicer than maybe whatever expectations you had coming in or things you had loaded as part of that word? Um, so one thing I want to say, and this is not as a like um, testimony of success, but for the past three years, M and I off and on have tried to incorporate some version of Sabbath into our weekly lives. We did it for a little bit before we had our first kid, then we took a long break, <laughs> and then we tried it again for a little bit, took a long break, and then whenever Em was on maternity leave after we had Ari, our 10-month-old, um, before she went back to work, we tried again to make this a part of our weekly rhythm, and at least so far, we've been able to most weeks do this um, since then, our longest stretch of doing this. So it's not a miracle cure by any means. That's not what I'm here to tell you about, but I am taller, I can run faster, and I, <laughs> and I don't feel pain anymore. So just, that's my, I'm just kidding. Um, but what I want to say too is that it, there's, it's not perfect, it's not easy, but one of the things that, that has been really nice about it is just quality time together with our family. We get a chance to just recover and recuperate, catch up with each other. We get to go on walks, we spend time with people, we get to go to birthday parties with the kids and showers and whatever else. It is not this like pious, like 
sit alone in your in your um, in a cathedral in a, or in like a prayer closet or something like that and don't come out kind of thing. It's like a we eat good food. Ezra has this figured out that basically every Sabbath means we go get donuts at the donut shop that we can walk to from our house. So it's enjoying creation, enjoying time together, enjoying time with community. That's been our experience so far, and at least at least that experience so far, even though it's kind of hard to pull off on a consistent basis, it's great. It's huge. It's been a huge help to us. I'm not really sure. I think on our Sabbath, if you could like watch like a fly on the wall, you'd be like, that seems really nice. I'd love to do that. I think if you watch the other six days of our life, you'd be like, that sounds awful. I would die. Um, so our Sabbath is this only the only thing, <laughs> the only little bit of peace um, that we get. But I'm just kidding. Um, but our life is really crazy, and I think it helps us actually be able to, to, to do this and stay alive and get a chance to talk <laughs> to each other and stuff like that. So that's my experience of trying to do this. So I'm not speaking of someone who's mastered it or someone who's not tried it at all. I'm somewhere in the middle trying to figure out and have been for the past three years. So I want to ask you again, are you happy with the way you're going about this whole deal in your life right now? Are you happy about the way you're working, the way you're resting, the way you're doing entertainment? Are you happy about that rhythm right now? Or do you feel like you're running out of gas on a regular basis? Um, the, the image of running out of gas, gas in the tank kind of thing kept coming to my mind. And, um, and a couple things I was thinking about is one, what's our fuel? If we're running out of gas, what's our fuel? I think there's a lot of things we, we try to choose, for instance, you know, Popeyes and, and um, Succession for myself to try to replenish. Um, but what's our fuel? I, I think you know what good fuel really is. I think it really is being uh, replenished by God himself and not these other things we turn to. But uh, at least the way I think cars work, I'm not fully understanding them, but Brad, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think you do have to have fuel before you can go somewhere. Whereas I think most of us, we, we run out of fuel and then we run out of fuel more and then we try to replenish after the fact. Whereas really, you gotta fill up before you can get anywhere. Is that right, Brad? See, look at that. I'm a mechanic now. Um, you, gotta, you gotta refuel before you can go anywhere. You can't actually get into debt with fuel um, in a car. So just think about that if that's helpful for you. But what does, it, what does it mean about our understanding of God's power, of his creation, of his goodness, if we can't allow ourselves not to work in some way? We can't allow ourselves to stop at all. Do we really think he's actually in control? That he's actually over everything? Or we think kind of we are, or we don't want to risk it. We don't want to take our hands off the wheel, so to speak, because we're not quite sure if God's in charge of this thing. So how would you describe God's importance in relation to your own? You know, do you think of yourself as kind of mostly running this thing, and uh, you just hope that he's um, got your back in, some, in case something goes wrong? Or do you really trust that he's in control? Another thing about Sabbath is I just want to say this isn't a race. This isn't a race. We're not trying to get to, like, a perfect... Sabbath day uh, as part of our weekly schedules tomorrow, okay? Um, but we're trying to slowly get there. We're having to unlearn many layers of industrialism and capitalism and whatever other isms you want to add on top of that that have been moving us in this direction away from Sabbath and, and toward constant work, constant entertainment, constant connection, constant whatever you want to say. Uh, for a long time, we just kind of got born into that, okay? So we have to unlearn a lot of stuff. Um, it's got to take time. But all we want for you to do with doing this sermon series, we just want for you to try. We just want to create a space for you to be able to try. We're inviting you to explore this Sabbath thing with us and maybe just see if Jesus doesn't know what he's talking about. Maybe just see if God didn't know what he was doing when he set the world up this way. 
So we'll be talking about this in our small groups as well, which allows us to talk to each other. We can share difficulties with each other. We can encourage each other. If you're not in a small group, then you can, you'll be hearing about it right here, and you can talk about it with us here um, before and after church and stuff like that. But we'll be doing that together instead of it feeling like this solo endeavor. Um, so here's your challenge for this week. So I threw a bunch of stuff at you, a bunch of scriptures, a bunch of thoughts, a bunch of theories, whatever. Here's the only thing I really want to challenge you to do. It's a little tiny baby step. Think, pray, and write down your current tendencies and rhythms with work, rest, and entertainment. Ask God to give you a true picture of what your life looks like in this area. Ask him to help you be brutally honest with yourself. Most of us, we're used to how we're doing things. We're used to the, like, the way I did it in high school and college and then job. You know, I did it the same way. So we're used to how we see things, our, our habits. So we're starting with an assessment Ask God to help you be really honest with yourself about how your life looks. Don't guilt yourself. Don't stress yourself out. We're just starting with assessment because we want to figure out what our starting point is. We're going to try to move toward better balance, better rhythm, better, more godly rest, um, and living as he designed us as humans to live. Um, we just need to figure out where we're starting. So that's all I want us to, to do in terms of assignments. But I really am convinced that this is a huge problem in our current day. Do you feel that when you look around, when you live your daily life, when you talk to your coworkers, when you scroll on whatever app? Constant busyness of some kind. We're always occupied with something. We're all stressed and anxious and depressed right now, and there's probably a lot of theories about why. I just don't think it's crazy to think that they could be related. Okay? Prove me wrong. I don't think it's crazy. But can you imagine what it'd be like if the people of God, us, um, and our brothers and sisters were marked by balance and peace if we were restored each week and we were able to push back the things that crowd our lives, our minds, and heal the light and be filled back up. How does that life sound to you? Sound kind of nice? What kind of blessing would we be to the world if we were people like that? Not just, you know, getting a benefit to ourselves. What kind of blessing would we be to others if that was how we lived our lives? What kind of blessing would we be to our city, our neighborhood, our workplaces, our families, our spouses, all of that? I just want to close with um, just this reminder of Jesus' invitation to rest. I just think it's so powerful. Come to me. All of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I'm lowly and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Lord, we just ask um, you just to be, we thank you for your patience with us in all of this. Um, I'm just reminded of you being such a good God, um, building this idea of rest and being restored into the very fabric of creation when you were designing the world. Um, Lord, this is so, so hard for us. And I just ask that you would give us grace, um, help us be patient with ourselves. Um, but most importantly, Lord, that as we talk about Sabbath this summer, I just pray that each of us would move um, a little bit closer to, um, to a more restful and peaceful and balanced life. I just pray you'd help guide each of our steps in that area. We're not all the same. We've got different jobs. We've got different life situations. I just pray you'd help us to be able to stop, rest, 
delight and worship um, and just help move us there slowly. We trust you, Lord. You're so good. Thank you for giving us this gift. Thank you for making Sabbath for us. In your prayer, amen. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at dentonnorthchurch.com.